Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. So Jundo, I haven't seen you for weeks. Where have you been? I've been a whole month in Vegas, baby, and I don't remember a moment of it. The girls, the gambling, <laughs> the booze, the the clubs. God, you can hear it in my voice. Boy, I've been just smoking. Really? You must have been partying a lot. Oh, boy. Not. Not. I am very proud yeah. of something. Vegas, at least from gambling, did not make $1 for me. I did not put a nickel in a slot machine. <laughs> I'm just not into it. Yet I note that you have an earring in your left ear. That's new. Well, that's a, that's the thing. You know, I really went to America because my son is starting college, and it was hard to get him into the country, and he needed to get his vaccination. So as opposed to leaving an 18-year-old on his own in America, the voice, by the way, is a really little horse, but it's not because of the party. Just... Uh, I got a little okay. frog That's, in the throat. Yes, but, we all believe you, Jundo. Yes, yes. But as opposed to leaving my 18-year-old on his own in Vegas, I went with him so we could get uh, his vaccinations straight away. And I got mine, too, along the way. And while I was there, I took him on uh, a road trip, you know, down Route 66 and the whole thing, the American desert. You know, we drove around. We went out to Monument Valley and a couple of places. And uh, there was a Navajo jewelry stand on the side of the road. So what do you do with your son who's about to leave the college? We got his and his earrings. You know, <laughs> I already had a pierce from years back. He just got his first pierce this trip. It was a big thing for him, you know. But uh, Did they do it on the side of the road? No, I wouldn't let him get it on the side of the road. I took him, <laughs> I took him to a shopping mall. That's where you get your pierce in America, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, he's still, I think he's still got the training wheels in his ears. Uh, but in a few weeks when he, he can have a real earring, I got him matching dad and son earrings. And that's, that's what I got here. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. Did you get tattoos? No, we thought about it. I mean, what, we didn't get drunk or anything, but one night I kind of said to Leon, come on, we're two boys on the road. Let's get, you know, you can get my name, you know, dad, I love you, dad, tattooed on your arm or something. And he said, no, I, I'll pass on that. So he's not into it yet. I'll see when he comes back from college in a couple of years, what he looks like. But. So how was Sin City? Sin City was, boy, you know, I was really surprised about how uh, America has come back from COVID because I, I understand that just a few months ago, Sin City, Las Vegas was dead. I mean, people really, the uh, restaurant workers and the entertainment people, the people connected to the ho hotels. They were the unemployment rate was right through the ceiling, but uh, when we got there, it looked like uh, from the crowds and the uh, the atmosphere that it really had bounced back. We were there the Memorial Day weekend, and uh, it was an ocean of people moving down the strip. Uh, I got to hand it to my son; he didn't care for the strip. He likes the quiet, and uh, so do I. So we didn't go to the strip that often, but uh, when we did go, it was a madhouse. 
Well, I can imagine for your son growing up in a Zen temple where it's really calm and peaceful and quiet, the idea of being dropped suddenly into Sin City must be quite a shock. Well, I don't, I don't think we're actually living in the mountains in the middle of nowhere here. Uh, but uh, we're certainly in a small city and quiet. And he did say, he did say that he kind of missed Japan because, frankly, the Japanese are a little better behaved than ten million drunken <laughs> people floating yes. through Las Vegas. So, yeah, uh, I got to tell you later about the night I lost him in Vegas on the Strip. By the way, yes, you mentioned that on the Tree Leaf Forum. That was quite a uh, that was quite an adventure. Isn't that what happens when people go to Vegas? Someone gets lost, and then the others have to find him. That was the whole premise of that movie, The Hangover. Right, right. I thought I was going to find him in Mike Tyson's suite with a tiger from that movie. Remember that? <laughs> no, but I, 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 you know, I'm a calm Zen guy. But what happened was <clears throat> we were walking up the strip, and like I said, he didn't really care for it, and it was a mob of people, and it was hot. It is, I, I, I learned this in centigrade as an American, forty degrees centigrade. That is, uh. Yeah. About 117 degrees. No, it's a little bit less. I think it's about 106, but oh. there were parts of the United States where it was like 117, and I think you might have been in the desert the day, the, the very hottest day. Oh, okay. It was only 106. I should have... I, I, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that makes a big difference. Believe me, when you get... But, but as they say out there, it's a dry heat, so it doesn't bother you, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So anyway... <laughs> yeah, I know. We're cutting through the casinos for the air conditioning, trying to make our way through this ocean of people, and I'm talking to my son, who's on my right, and I'm, you know, pontificating all the wisdom I want to pass it down to him before he leaves for college, and I turn to him, and he's gone. And I turn around and he's gone. And I said, well, I lost him in this middle of this casino, but he's going to show up. It wasn't that big a place. He's going to show up any second. And he didn't. And uh, finally, I'm standing there like a fool. <laughs> and uh, the security guy comes over, who I can only, uh, to convey the image of the security guys in the casino now, imagine it's like the old mob guys in the old days replaced by Guys who obviously saw a lot of action overseas in various American wars, big guys, but with their faces yeah, all covered, yeah. you know, they're under, and he said, what's the problem, sir? I've lost my son. And he said, where? I said, I wanted to say, if I knew that, you know, I would know where he is. But <laughs> anyway, so they, they had the whole security looking for him. And finally, after about two hours of waiting, he doesn't show up. I think it was the heat, maybe the lights. He had some kind of attack from all the noise and the lights. He's lost. He's wandering on the streets. He doesn't remember who he is. He's going to wander into traffic. You know, as a, I'm a Zen guy, but as a dad, you see all the worst case scenarios. So I start wandering up and down the strip looking for this boy and going up to police and saying, excuse me, have you seen a young Asian man? Uh, who looks like he's lost, and they put out like an APB, you know? <laughs> you know, all points bullet, and every every time they saw an Asian guy, they'd grab him and say, is this yours? You know, <laughs> no, no, not that guy. So uh, finally, I decide I can't take this anymore. About one o'clock in the morning, I decide I'm going to walk home, because we're staying in the middle of nowhere, a, a good hour walk. If you're going to walk, it's an, we're staying an hour off the strip. I mean, if if you take a car or public transportation, we were taking the bus a lot. It's only about 15 minutes, but if you're going to walk, it's way out there. And it's not the best neighborhood, I got to tell you. It was an area called Paradise, which is anything but. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. It's not <laughs> terrible, but it's not paradise. So I say, well, I just got to go home. So I go home and I open the door and you know, the punchline to the story, he's in the bed. Asleep. Asleep. And he says, what are you so upset about? I did, I couldn't find you. I walked home. And I said, how'd you do that? He said, well, I got the phone and I figured out Wi-Fi and I knew from the horizon and I saw the skyline and I extrapolated and triangulated where our apartment was and I remembered the code to get it. It gave me great faith that this boy can now make it in America on his own. So in the end, it was a good experience. Yes, but why didn't you just call him on his phone? Oh, that was another thing. Because the phone wasn't working. <laughs> that was, you know, if you don't have your phone these days, you're really lost. Yeah. So we, it was just the day we had just gotten into town and the phones weren't working. And, and uh, so, but anyway, z- d- dad blew all his Zen cool. If you had seen me on the strip that yeah. night, I was not a model of equanimity. No. But after that, you were chilled, right? Because now you knew you could trust your son. Well, I was chilled until the next day when... <laughs> Somebody, a very generous person, said, oh, you're staying in Vegas. What are you going to do? And I said, well, we don't intend to do much. I'm just here for the vaccinations and get him set up. Oh, no, you're in Vegas. You can't do that. Let me send you some tickets. And the tickets that they sent us was to jump off the highest tower at a hotel in Vegas. You know the big tower that's in Vegas? I've seen pictures. I've never been to Vegas, but yeah. You know the saying in Zen to jump off a hundred foot pole? This is 855 feet in the air and they put you on a bungee cord (laughs) and they push you off the top. Okay. So I said, okay, well, we got to do this. We got it. We had a choice between that to be in an Indy car or a helicopter. That's an interesting choice. actually. Dad wanted to go Ah. off the tower, right? I'm going to, my son is the one who talked sense into me. And, and he he literally said, <clears throat> I think it will cancel our insurance coverage. <laughs> and he was right. The, the guy specifically had warned him not to do bungee jumping in America. So we settled for the helicopter. But I was all ready to go. I, 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 I swear this. I was all mm. ready to go. I had years ago, at the age of 25, I jumped out of a plane twice. So I, I knew how to get myself there, okay. and I was going to be in Zen equanimity. I was going to step right off that tower. Okay. But my 18-year-old, he talks sense to me. So. Well, this all sounds very exciting, but this doesn't sound like a Zen podcast right now. It sounds more like someone telling his vacation stories. I got slides. You want to see slides? <laughs> no. no. But it is because <clears> – <throat> here's the point of this podcast, really. Zen is, in many ways, the anti-Vegas. Everything that Las Vegas stands for, Zen is kind of the opposite. And I have to say, after a month there, you saw people running around all night, trying to drink and party themselves into fun and pleasure. And I was happy to sit calmly. We took a drive in the desert. I found a nice rock, sit a little zazen. I'll trade that for the strip any day. You know, we have a certain kind of gambling in Zen. We cannot lose because the universe is always a balance of win and win even when you lose. So there's no gambler. 
actually, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just said that. And I said, <laughs> what does that really mean? What you, you know, every once in a while, even I say stuff, you know, and I go, well, wait a second, what does that really mean? But I think you get the point of what I'm trying to yeah. say. Most of life is win and lose. But when you sit Zen in total peace, it's just kind of big win. Is it? Or is it just the balance? The balance between win and lose, the balance between good and bad, up and down. It just, it's the equilibrium, isn't it? If life is a roulette wheel and you put your <laughs> chips on black and it comes up red, in worldly terms, you have lost. But in Zen terms, red is red, black is black. And the wheel keeps spinning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just wondering, were you on a dark desert highway, cool wind in your hair, warm smell of Kalitas rising up through the air at any point? I think that's in California, not Nevada. Well, still, you were close. Also, I don't have hair. Okay, but was this one of these Hotel California things? I don't know what's a Kalita. Well, I don't either, but it's the lyrics of Hotel California. <laughs> It's probably some kind of flower. We drove out to see one of our priests who's got a ranch in New Mexico. And I took Leon, you know, he, he hasn't been to America that much. So I took him to some of America's great national parks. We saw Arches. We saw Bryce Canyon. You know, uh, we saw a place very underrated called uh, Capitol Reef National Park. They're astounding. This is the place to go. And even outside of Las Vegas, there's a place called, I believe, uh, Red Valley National Park. That's just uh, 20 minutes out of Vegas. Oh, boy. That is the place to be. And uh, I, I'll leave you with all the hotels and the uh, the, the lights uh, and the shows. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for that any day. You know? We spoke about, you know, how nature, Zen folks need nature. It's true. It's true. Uh, a little time in the glitz and lights of uh, Vegas is fine. You can find equanimity anywhere, even amidst, amidst the, the noise and the, the sparkles. But there's a time to get out to the quiet and open place. And that's what nature does. And boy, uh, that's what I recommend. If you go to Vegas, skip the strip, head out into the desert. Did you visit Monument Valley? Monument Valley was uh, closed because of, this is uh, unfortunate, and let's uh, dedicate to this this uh, netcast. The Navajos were hit extremely hard by uh, COVID um, and uh, kind of neglected as uh, with their health care, as, uh, uh, let's say, the national government is wont to do with our Native peoples. Yep. And uh, they very wisely just closed the reservation and uh, said, nobody's coming in. So you couldn't get near it. They just closed. Uh, they, they have a good uh, portion of Arizona that's theirs. And they closed the doors and uh, said, uh, call us next year. <laughs> and uh, as uh, this was just a few weeks ago, but I don't think it's, uh, I still don't think it's open. So you were there for about four weeks, which is, I'll apologize to podcast listeners. That's why we have skipped two episodes. We originally planned to record uh, Jundo in a motel or something, and it didn't work out. It was too complicated. It was our summer hiatus. So what did you do for four weeks other than go in a helicopter and go to the Grand Canyon and all that? Did you sit around? Did you visit the Zen Center, Las Vegas, that we have discussed in well, past episodes? That's... That's another funny story, 
because I did research to see what Zen communities there were in uh, Vegas. And uh, I found a place called the Zen Center Las Vegas. So I thought I'd give them a call. Fortunately, I checked a little bit on the internet before calling them because it turns out Zen Center Las Vegas is a swingers club. <laughs> they were busted uh, last year. And uh, it, there's an actual center there, a Korean Zen Center called the Zen Center of Las Vegas, that I'm sure uh, the, probably the, the Zen Center of Las Vegas is often confused with the swingers group Zen Center Las Vegas. Yes. So um, uh, I'm very fortunate I, I checked it. And alas, I didn't get to either of them. It was a bit far out and I didn't have a car. We were taking the public buses everywhere. It was good. I was trying to teach my son to survive in the kind of urban environment of America. He's from Japan and he's not used to it. So I was trying to get him how to deal with street life, you know, and uh, dealing with the folks on the, in, uh, in living in the big city. And uh, I succeeded a bit. I've always felt that Las Vegas is a pretty safe city, though. You have a lot of crazy people, but there's a lot of police and security to make sure that things don't escalate, right? I think that's in the center part, not exactly where we were uh, living, which was... Uh, I see. We were with the people. The people, yes. With the masses. We were out there with the people. You know, we're yes. people, we're out there with the people. Yes. So, uh, no, then it's just a, a, an urban environment like uh, any other uh, place. And... Uh, I, I wanted to say, and it, it was uh, very beautiful. Boy, you know, riding the city buses, you saw a lot of people who had seen, uh, obviously, some hard parts in life. And I, I also saw such kindness of people to people on the on the city bus, people who, who didn't have giving money to someone who had even less money to get a ticket on the bus. Uh, the guy gets on. They have a wonderful program where if someone gets on the city bus in Las Vegas with a wheelchair, the bus stops. The driver gets out. He makes sure that the wheelchair is properly secured. Other other passengers around would inevitably be helping, you know. And uh, it's uh, it was a real you know beautiful community on the bus. So I'm glad I, I got uh, I get I didn't take the Ubers and I didn't get a car. You know, we just uh, rode the mass transit. And that, let me say, tell you something, that it's a, a beautiful thing to see. Well, when you did go to the national parks, how did you get there then? Did you hitchhike? That would be the true American experience. Oh, no, no. Then I rented a car. <laughs> yeah. No, then I, I have to confess I, I did uh, rent a car. Ah, yes. okay. Yes. Yeah. So how did it feel out on the dark desert highway, cool wind in your hair and all that? Did you get a feeling of the mythology of that sort of road trip? I was on Route 66 getting my kicks. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. 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 We did, uh, uh, we did uh, quite a bit driving. We covered uh, like uh, 2,100 miles. And I often say there's uh, no place to go in Zen. But I got to confess that uh, when I was planning the trip, I'm like anybody else, that I immediately tried to stuff in every possible thing I could do within my 10 days on the road. You know, we have to see two national parks a day and we have to, you know, climb this and do this trail and we have to go here and we have to do, go, go that. And uh, when I settled down from that early uh, desire to see and do everything, I spoke to a couple of friends who live around there and they said, no, 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 don't go everywhere. Don't do it. go here. It'll be great. 
go to this other place. Eventually you get to your friend, then you get home. And just doing it that way, taking it easy, doing nothing, being content. You know, we got content. We were on the road one time and we kind of ran out of gas. There was a blackout and we couldn't get gas and we had to sit there for a couple hours. Great experience. You know, I talked to my son, the people in the gas station also waiting for gas. They also became a little community too. You know, people sharing things. The cash register wasn't working in the store. So the guy handed out some food and drinks to everybody on the house. You know, people help each other. And uh, doing nothing again was the best part of the trip. Well, you're never actually doing nothing. As you say, you're communing with other people. You're talking with other people. Did did you go and sit Sazen on the edge of Grand Canyon? Yes, I did. <laughs> was yes, it windy? I did. Because that would worry me. <laughs> it was it was worse because in the 45 centigrade grade temperature there was already uh, 137 Fahrenheit. No, I'm exaggerating a little, but it was it was it was definitely up there over 110. Yeah. Uh it was uh, a little woozy on the head and my son was so overwhelmed by the heat and the hike and the Grand Canyon that he was actually getting dizzy and would not go near the edge. Ah, so okay. I went to go sit near the edge, you know, and and uh, without my bungee cord this time, mm-hmm. uh, went to went to sit there briefly, and it was astounding uh, because the the scenery just drops away in all directions and up and down and it was dizzying i had to move back after a second because uh, i was starting to swoon the grand canyon is there's a famous quote truly grand well what lessons do you draw from all of this what lesson keep it simple don't gamble oh but somebody wrote me um afterwards and said oh is there some rule what i call a prohibition against gambling in Buddhism? And is it wrong to gamble? I said, well, if it's amongst friends, and it's a friendly game, and you don't risk losing your house, and you're not addicted to it, and you do it in moderation, there's no rule in Buddhism against it that I was able to disclose. Now, I think the monks in the Buddha's monasteries were dissuaded from gambling. Although, to tell you the truth, after hours, you know, monks have after hours. When I was in the monasteries, you'd slide in the doors and they'd be sitting around playing poker. Mm. You know, they play cards. So even the monks, you know, got to kill some time. Now, what are they playing for? I guess they're playing for karma. You know, I wage you you some good (laughs) karma. You know, I'll trade you. Yeah, I don't know what they're playing for. It looked like, uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, small, small gambling. It's okay. It's okay. But like alcohol, like uh, sex, anything, if you do too much and you're addicted to it, that's where the problem occurs. So gambling, even though I didn't gamble a nickel, it's okay. It's worth pointing out for those who haven't uh, listened to the podcast before that the only reason you chose Las Vegas was because it was the cheapest flight you could get from Japan. Otherwise, you would have gone someplace else. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it it, it turned out 
that it was the cheapest flight to get there. But boy, I had trouble getting back to Japan from there because I had to go through all kinds of quarantines and it turned and special tests. Uh, Nevada is considered a dangerous place. Amongst all the states in the United States, they have a list of particularly dangerous states and you have to go through special quarantine. And I had to go through that quarantine to get back to Japan. So it actually turned into a little bit of an expensive proposition. But uh, I went to Vegas just to get our shots. And it was, I thought, the cheapest and easiest place to go for a month. I thought, you know, well, it's kind of strange. I should explain to everybody. But then I realized that the uh, National Association of Soto Zen Buddhist Teachers actually had their national meeting in Las Vegas three years before. And at first, when I, I remembered that suddenly three years before, that I had actually been kind of critical of the idea. What are people going to think? All these Zen Buddhists going to Las Vegas to have your national meeting? This is not Buddhist. This is not the place. It's not the spiritual. You should you should have it in a place that inspires people. Why are you going out to to the Sands Hotel to have your national Zen meeting? And I was set straight because uh, an old priest who I respect very much turned to me and he said, "You know, Buddhism is not about just running away from the places where people are suffering. It's about going to the places that challenge us." So we're going to Las Vegas for our meeting about American Zen because is there any place that summarizes America more than Las Vegas? And we are going there to kind of be like the lotus in the mud, to be there with our spiritual meeting amidst all the temptations of Vegas. And he shut me right up. I thought, oh, that's why they're going to Vegas. They're going to Vegas because it's a challenging place. But, you know, actually, they went to Vegas because they just went for for the same reasons as everybody else. I got a feeling. (laughs) Well, they went because it's cheap. They can get a block of hotel rooms cheap. There are lots of conference centers. Uh, Vegas is not just a gambling city. It's a big city for conferences. Well, there you go. There you go. So if the if the American Soto Zen Teachers Association could go there, then certainly I could go there. And anyway, we had a great time. Sorry to have bored you with my travel talk. If uh, anyone wants uh, travel advice, I could uh, I, uh, please uh, email and I'll, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Vegas is a lovely city. The people there were just uh, obviously a lot of hardworking people on vacation with a few days uh, trying to have a good time. So I shouldn't be so critical of them. I was surprised nobody was wearing a mask anymore. That's, really? a, that's a done deal, it seems, yeah. in America right now. Okay, Roshi, where do we go from here? Well, I'm going off next to Monte Carlo. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.